Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it is wonderful to have you on the show today. I'm very excited to let you know that this show is going to be an interview, a discussion between me and a lady by the name of Natalie Gunter. She uh, contacted me a few days ago and said, you know, she would like to share a story if I wanted to share it. And I said, yes, please. And I want to say to the hearers out there, if there's anybody that's got a nice story of how people met God or how they've experienced God through some serious life trials, please let me know. I would love to share that story with with people on this podcast. So I'm going to let you go and let you just listen to the conversation between me and her. Um, It's a very exciting conversation and the topic, the title is this, I broke my neck and I'm glad I did. Natalie, I'm I'm really glad that you made some time to... uh to chat and, and to share your story with me and whoever's going to listen to this. Um, I uh, don't know if you remember, but one of the most humiliating weddings I have ever been at was your wedding. I know. Because I don't, I don't know if you ever heard what happened, but I was on my way. I don't know the South and yeah. I've got my suit on and it starts raining hard and I don't know where the venue is and I've got my phone with me and I forgot my charger and my phone dies like as I come into Clip River Drive my phone dies and I can't get out with a suit in the rain and ask somebody eventually like for 20 minutes I asked people around and I think the venue was also like in a Clip Fontaine or something like that but it's a smaller road and uh eventually got to the venue like 30 minutes late it's the first time in my life I was late for a for a wedding and everybody's waiting for me did you even know that it was late I I didn't know in the beginning I heard after a while um but yeah of all the things I thought could go wrong that definitely wasn't uh, one of them (laughs) so the minister is always on time well not not this one and so um but I also remember that we met before that yeah. Um, at I think Primi Piatti there in um, in uh, Rudapur, and yeah. uh, that was an interesting discussion, quite quite emotional. Um, you know, there was something that you spoke about. I can't remember, and you had to I walk remember. away. No, I remember. Um, I was upset because I was just tired of being the man in the relationship. So basically, I planned the whole entire wedding. I paid for the wedding. I. I'm always, you know, the one to nag to go to church, to live better, to do better. Um, yeah, I just everything was always on my shoulders. Um, even for the wedding, all he had to do was choose a song. And even that was like an effort for him. So I think at that point, I was just, I should have taken that as a sign. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so Natalie, you, you are divorced now. So you've, you've gone through this accident that we're going to talk about. You've You've really carried quite a load the last few years. I can't remember when your wedding was. I think 2015 or 16, somewhere around yeah. there. And that was just after your um, your accident. So not just after, but a little while afterwards. And yeah, so um, for just for those who are listening, just want to um, maybe start with, you know, your life before your accident. Uh, okay, um, so... Um, yeah, so I had a, a full-time job in sales, um, digital signage. Um, I always wanted to start a business. I mean, I had the name. I had knew exactly what I wanted to do, but I always had an excuse of no time, no money, 
just it just never happened. Um, and I also started DJing. Um, so I wasn't really happy, but I was always, yeah. So basically I was just working, DJing, and, and in the DJ environment, I mean, you can imagine there's a lot of, there was free alcohol. Um, so it wasn't really a productive life. Um, and then, yeah, I had the accident and literally in hospital, I decided, okay, now's the time. I don't know when I can drive again. And while I was in hospital, I actually had somebody design my logo um, and I decided this was it. Uh, when I get out, I'm going to make this happen. Um, so, yeah, it was probably after a month after that that I quit my job and, sure. yeah, business is still going. And um, what was your belief like before your accident? I mean, did you grow up believing God exists? What was your faith situation? So I, I've always gone to church. I mean, from my, basically since I was small, um, I went to Rhema. I even joined the youth band. Um, but I think what kept me busy majority of my life is I used to play a lot of sports. Um, oh, sports are Stedford, athletics. Um, it kept me so busy seven days a week that I never really had time for anything else. So when towards the end of high school came, um, you know, obviously then bad friends started noticing boys, drinking, all that stuff. Um, so the road has never been, I think they call it the straight and narrow for a reason, because it's easy to fall off. Um, and that's what happened quite a few times. And I've learned I need extreme measures to wake up. And obviously, yeah. me and God have had that chat. We both get it. I'm okay with it. Um, so, yeah, that's what's happened. You know, when you, when you speak like that, I'm thinking about taking my boys 10-pin bowling. So, when we go 10-pin bowling, we've got to put up the, you know, the barriers on the sides. Because their yeah. ball keeps on going to... So, it's like, would, would you say that's maybe how your life is? You, you've had to have these strict barriers from God to just stick in line. Barriers up. I think he he lets me, yeah, lets me fall off. It's me that has to put the barriers in place, right? And I, I had forced myself to put it in place because I've just, out of all the different ways I've lived, um, the straight and narrow is the the best one, the most rewarding. You're the happiest. It's the only place you find true peace. Um, so I'm I'm forcing the barriers. Wow. That's, that's great. So it sounds like, if I listen to you, it sounds like you've, you've got this, this really driven um, personality. At school, you, um, you filled your hunger to, for success and achievement through sport. And then later on, like most of us, it happens uh, later on in your life, teenage years comes, and then it's alcohol, and it's jawling, and it's guys, well, you know, poor ladies, yeah. and and um, then sort of Satan gets a little bit of a hold on you. And some people never make it out of there. Some people just go from there downhill, either alcoholism or they have kids with three different ladies or whatever the case is. Um, yeah. But you were hit hard in that period of your life. You went some, through some real trials that sh shook you out of it. It made you sober. Yeah, no, I think even even during the whole sports phase, because the thing is, I was so I was honestly addicted to sports. Um, sure. Like on a Friday night, I would go watch indoor sports and wait for someone to get injured and then quickly run up and say, I'm available, I can play. And it got, I promise you, and it got to a point because, I mean, in primary school, I went for South African colors, provincial colors in different sports. Like this is primary school. 
Right. Um, and then in high school, my knee, I tore my ligament. So I couldn't play for six weeks. So again, that time I realized sports is not everything. It's not a priority because I thought I'd go to the Olympics and my life would be made. So that's, I think that's where the big extreme measures started happening. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this accident came, would you mind telling us about that? Like, uh, that night, uh, let's Um, assume people know nothing, you know? So, um, a friend of mine, his dad died. So he invited me to the wake. Um, I couldn't go to the funeral. So I went to the wake. Another friend of mine didn't have a job. Car was broken. I thought, let me help you come with. And then afterwards, we'll sit down and I'll help you with your CV and all of that stuff. Um, So he came with and yeah, I had a few drinks. And that's pretty much all that I remember. I just woke up in a ICU. Um, So what had happened is he took my car, um, carried on jawling the rest of the night. And then, I mean... I last remember about 8 p.m. Um, and then he carried, the accident was just before 3 a.m. He rolled the car off of a highway. No other cars involved. Um, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So I went out of the windscreen, flew 15 meters, and then landed on an embankment. Um, paramedics came, or he phoned his dad. Paramedics came, took me to the hospital. Um, yeah, so I woke up in ICU neck brace yeah that's what happened i broke my neck so um the yeah your vertebrae i broke one so the others are being held up with a metal plate um so when i had the accident the doctor that did the operation um it was the first time he was doing this new procedure in south africa and it was his third time ever but I had blood on my brain, fractures all over my neck, my back. Um, and he told my parents that I have 40% chance to survive. And if I survive, 50% chance I'm going to be a vegetable. Sure. Um, yeah. So. And you, you spoke about you've got a, your eardrum and, you know, what else got hurt that night? So the eardrum, I think, is quite, I think that's quite ironic or God's plan, but I think it's connected because I used to DJ, the hole in the eardrum prevents me from doing that ever again, which I think is a good thing. So again, these are measures God is putting in place for me to focus on what I need to focus on. Um, But yeah, I had blood on my brain, fractures in my back, hole in my ear. Um, I had a fracture, the fracture that was in my neck, the doctor said that obviously that's right by what controls your movement and the other fracture I had was right by what controls your breathing right so the neck brace that I had on you know from day one I had that on for five months straight right yeah I remember having a a cast and it itches inside I mean if you got this neck thing on how does that feel it was terrible because the thing is like you obviously you sweat um so every day almost we'd have to clean it and i'd have to hold my neck with my hands while the neck braces opened and cleaned and powder put inside and all of that you know it wasn't wasn't fun and in the beginning there was a lot of little you know nerve damage and issues room spinning and weird things and the doctor is just has no words because i survived and he didn't think i would wow Sure, and I saw in the I saw in the uh, X-ray that you sent that the uh, it seems like it's a it's a bone at the bottom, or the brace is at the bottom, or where did it? Uh, 
So it's C six, which okay. is towards the bottom, but okay. not. Yeah. Sure. And so, you're so lucky you didn't feel that, eh? Oh yeah. Look, it was uh, the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. Um, sure. But yeah, very grateful for a few days in ICU that I don't remember. Yeah. Wow. So you you also noted to me that you you woke up and the doctor told you about the prognosis of the operation and that there's a possibility you could be paralyzed and you also said now a possibility of being a vegetable and so um do you do you remember that when you when you heard that from the doctor and how did you cope with that you know how do you i remember for sure um so he told us that so the day i came in the operation was like two days later um, but after he told me that, um, they wheeled me into theater and yeah, it was the weirdest thing, but I was lying there before they took me in and I just prayed. Um, and I said, you know what, God, if it's my time, it's okay. And I just had complete peace. Um, so I think that plays a big part of, you know, how I am now. And even the doctor said that because of my mindset and that peaceful state, that also helped the operation be a success because people don't realize your emotional state can affect you know the success of an operation right so so you you believe a positive attitude has a physical effect on your your well-being oh no for sure um yeah i'm actually busy studying life coaching and all of that and from what i'm learning i'm working with a christian uh, neuroscientist being grateful builds brain cells. Um, so for sure, being positive, what I've learned is there's positive in every single situation, whether it's you think it's the end of the world or it's not, there's always a positive. We just don't look hard enough to find it. Yeah. yeah. I'm part of a, a group for broken neck survivors. Um, so that was nice for me to, you know, speak to people that can understand what I'm going through. Mm. But it excites me because I get to encourage them, you know, because it, it is, it's, it's basically when something like this happens, you have the decision to either lie around and complain about it or, you know, use it and make something of it and be positive. Right. And does that come naturally to you or did you train um, yourself so to think like that? I've always been a positive person. I think uh, with all the, the sports and being the best and, doing the best i mean you have to be positive um but yeah it's definitely helped me i think it is something you have to practice it's not something that just if you're not a positive person it does take time to become more positive um but for me i think i've always just been like that but even more so since the accident because i realized how we let small things bother us and get to us when it's actually not that bad right you know, I, um, I've, I've been wondering about, so I, I look at you and I see this person that has gone through this trauma and you could deal with the trauma quite well, it seems like. In actual fact, the reason why you went through it so successfully is because you dealt with it well. You were positive yeah, and you were even ready to die. So you've made peace yeah. with the end of life, which a lot of people haven't yet. And um, But I've, I've wondered, how did the people closest to you respond to that like your mom and dad don't know if they're still around i mean how how did they handle that and how did you handle their emotions i don't, I don't know if that's a so it's quite funny um 
before the accident, I was living on my own in Greenside. Um, and in hospital, my, my mom wanted me to live with them afterwards. And I said, no, I'm fine. I'll be fine. Leave me on my own. And as they wheeled me out of the hospital, they were like, surprise, you live with us now. So, yeah. So they actually told my landlord I can't walk for two years. Um, and they had already moved all my stuff to them. Wow. So I think for me, that was actually a harder struggle than breaking my neck is, you know, adjusting to that. Um, but yeah, I think that everybody was a bit emotional and shocked and all of that. But at the same time, I think they, in a way, used to me getting hurt. But this was obviously, I think, a realization that life is short and we need to be careful and all of that. Um, I think my dad took it the worst. I'm a daddy's girl and he's quite sensitive. So yeah, yeah he struggled to see me in pain. But otherwise, they were quite helpful in that. I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't walk for quite a while so yeah, yeah spend my yeah. time in bed quite a while so it it's um i think for your personality it was quite a quite a challenge to adapt to being dependent on oh, yeah. uh other people yeah yeah no i'm fully fully independent that was very hard for me um but yeah i i mean i worked i basically started working on my business from when i left so yeah. I think the hard part, the hardest part was working through the pain. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to get this. So, so you were an employee before the accident and you were an employer after the accident. Yeah. And um, just a, a quick, a few questions about that. It seems like the accident gave you a strong sense of vigor like you now you want to go out there get it and do what you've always dreamed about i think uh, yeah definitely but i think a bigger part of it was um i mean i was unsure of what was going to happen um the company i was working at they said they would keep me on um but that was a sales position it was on the road seeing people i mean at that time i didn't know when i was going to drive again i was scared of driving again um, and I felt it was unfair to keep them hanging when I knew I definitely full-on 100% want to give attention to this new business so yeah I resigned from there so it was more pressure of I need to pay bills um, you know this has happened but I need to pay bills so it was that that I had to I had to make money and I think for me that was the harder thing to deal with in the actual accident is the fact that I didn't have a, like I had to work hard. Yeah. So not only did you have to deal with this body of yours that's broken, literally, you had to, you had to pick yourself up and start forging aid with a, with a career while in that, um, while in that situation. That's, that's quite hectic. Okay. So now you then decided on your hospital bed, you're going to start a business. Tell us about that. What what was your dream, and where did you start? You know, how do you how do you start building a business from a hospital bed? You know. <laughs> um, so I my background is sales, um, but before the accident, I was in digital signage. Before that job, I was in um, digital marketing. 
So I took that job at the time because I needed a job and they were, pay- well, they were paying more than my previous one. Um, but when I got into it, I really, really loved it. Um, it just felt like my brain was wired for marketing. Mm. Um, so I knew, well, what I wanted to do was I knew marketing and sales, but I wanted to learn how to do graphic design. I wanted to learn how to do websites. So, so that's basically what I did is in hospital, I had the logo done. Um, and as soon as I left, I started learning. So it took me about four months, but I taught myself how to do graphic design, website design. I knew the marketing. Um, so I thought of, let me not just limit myself. Let me do a one-stop shop. And that's what I did. Um, so from all of that stuff, you have printing, branding, uniforms, signage, everything. Um, and it worked out really well because some months, one side does better, other months, the other side does better and everybody loves a one-stop shop. So yeah, I'm really glad I did decide that in the beginning. And that's, that business was Leaf? Was, what was the Green. name? Greenleaf, yeah. right? Yeah. Project. I don't, I don't know. If, so I don't know if you remember, but I supported you. You guys, um, you won't remember, but you guys branded one of our cars. For the oh, yes. for Econa Petroleum, a fuel company, and it, well, I don't know if you did it. Maybe you outsourced it, but you did the design and things for us, which was quite cool. So um, that business is still going. Good, good. Is is oh, that- yeah, yeah. Sorry, my business. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, this year. Yeah, seven, it's going on seven years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I've actually started another one. Um, done some importing, so done some workshops. So technically, four companies. So yeah. Okay, I'm going to... Too ambitious. <laughs> well, if you can handle it, why not? You know, some people have been gifted. That's what they must do. Business yeah. is their thing. They must do it. They must be released to do it. Um, I'd like you to just advertise that at the end. So I'll remind you about that. Um, just want to ask you, so you've you've started a few companies, started a few businesses. And for a business to continue after seven years, um, you're employing some people with Greenfield. Yeah. And uh, was that the logo that you were working on on your bed? Um, no, so the original logo was a black and white hand with the world in the middle and a leaf coming out of it. But right. then a few years later, I just redid it to just the leaf. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, that's that's super. So in this whole process, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur that wants to start a business? You know, what what do you need to make it work? Would you say? I know it's a loaded question, but whatever comes to your mind, you know? No, that's fine. I think the first thing is, the biggest thing is, I mean, I waited to have the accident to start it. And it's the happiest I've ever been. It's the longest I've ever been at a company. Um, So I think for people not to be scared, um, first of all, if you work hard, I mean, I have four rules. um, Work hard, pray, have faith and stay humble. Um, there have been times where I got a big head. I mean, I had meetings with the Blue Bulls and they love my marketing and other clients as well. And there were times where I got a bit you arrogant. Know, arrogant in my skills and then business would get quiet. And then I'd have to sit down and learn the lesson, humble myself, and then it would pick up again. So I right. think if you stick to those four things, that's good. Um, and definitely look Plan and research, that's a big one. Um, You know, I long ago had a company in events and supplying bars and things. 
Um, I had put money into that business, which is different to now, but the way I did it um, was completely wrong. I mean, this is before all the marketing knowledge and all of that, but um, that one didn't work at all because I didn't follow the right steps and do the research and all of that. So I think that's important. And then just looking to the future, you know, and especially I think uh, Corona has taught us a lot, you know, what does the market need? Where are the gaps? What is something that people are always going to be using? Um, yeah, and then just work hard. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's less about your talent or whatever. Just work hard. Yeah. And have faith because that's definitely a big factor, yeah. Just want to get those four things again because those slipped me by. But 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 you had first, you said work hard. Second, pray. Third, faith. What's your fourth one? Humble. Humble, humble. humility. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to repeat that for everybody again. But um, you know what you say is, is so interesting because I think there's a lot of people out there um, that have great ideas for to start a business, etc. But they too fearful of taking that leap. Where yeah. I think, as you've you've noted, you you were forced into that position, really, yeah. and that that's where you took the jump. People people prefer to revert back to their safe salary um, environment. Um, and they, so they never take the leap. And the, I think the problem with that, you need to correct me, but I think one of the challenges with that, not only are you limiting your potential, but you, you're robbing the world because yeah. people out there could benefit from your, the vision that has been implanted in your mind. 100%. And I think also when you have your own business, it's, your, it's a whole new level of passion. I mean, you, um, you yeah. love what you do. You, love, you do it for a reason. Are, I get so frustrated with people that are in jobs that they hate doing things that they hate to do i mean you spend majority of your time at a company granted i work longer hours now than at a company but it's all worth it it's for myself i'm in control i've got freedom yeah. um so definitely yeah. i think people shouldn't be scared to do it absolutely i love that so so take a leap work hard and i think some people believe they can just make it without the hard work um yeah. And I think you can attest to that. Um, here's yep. the message to everybody. Even if you almost died and you're on your hospital bed, work. <laughs> then you might yeah. make it. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that, that you include uh, prayer and faith because most people exclude that. And that tells me that you acknowledge God. You acknowledge that there are certain things outside of your control. Yeah. And that you need a blessing um, you need the hand, the fingerprint of God in, in whatever it is that you do. You know, for some people, yeah. uh, their faith is just a, a Sunday in a church building thing. But you're saying, look, it's part of everything that I do. So I include God in my business. I bring him in. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't see why that cannot be successful. And yeah. you spoke about um, humility. That is that is awesome. I want to ask you one thing. Um you said to me that time has changed for you since your accident. Um, it's become more precious to you. Time has become more precious. Would you mind telling us a bit about that? What's your perspective on that? Uh, like, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, but you, I asked you how old you were and you said, but you, you're counting your years now from the accident. Like if you could yeah. include that. Yeah, so I'll start with that. So um, it upsets me when I hear people say, you know, they're a year older, they're getting older. And for me, it's just like, you know, I almost died. For me, 
I count my first birthday from the accident, you know, because it's my first year of life. It's my second chance. I'm living it. So every year I celebrate fully. And the people that are around me, they know. I don't care if you don't do birthdays. If people tell me birthday, my birthday is just another day, I want to freak. I make it as the most special day ever because you're alive. You know, people take that so for granted. And I realized how we actually operate when I was in the hospital. I mean, first of all, I've never heard from so many people in my life, more than on my birthday, than, you know, when I was in hospital. So that was a shock for me. People came to visit me that I wasn't even close with. But the thing is, the people that were coming there, it was the same complaints, complaining about work, complaining about people and gossiping. And I just realized, like, how stupid are we? Like, number one, to let these stupid things take up our time, take up our emotions. Um, So from there on, I always try to stay away from those kinds of people. Um, Surround yourself with positive um, things you love. I mean, I love the ocean. My whole house is filled with ocean stuff. Um, So yeah, time time is so precious. I mean, I went from a normal day to almost dead. So Anything can happen at any minute. And the thing is, um, I've done some motivational speaking and then I ask people, like, imagine you're, um, you know, you have a month left, a week left, a year left. What would you do? You know, would you still live the life you live? Would you still sit around, watch TV, complain Mm. and do nothing? You know, that's why I want to live life to the absolute fullest. I mean, my problem is that I do too much. I take on too much. Like I have to force myself to relax. Um, right. So yeah, that's definitely where I live now. Okay, but it doesn't seem that you're relaxing currently or do you make time to relax? Yeah, so um, I, I do my Sundays. So Sundays I call them my soul food days. Um, so I basically realized that I like going to the spa and it makes me relax. So I'm like, why not do that at home? Um, so obviously I listen to some preaching, some good Christian music. Um, and then, yeah, every Sunday I have do a bubble bath, candles, plus, um, you know, essential oils. And that's what I do while the music is playing deep breaths, pray about things, think about things, go through my thoughts, what's bothering me, because sometimes I'm so busy, um, I need a time out to actually see what's going on in my life, what's bothering me, what's not, Mm. you know, um, plan for the week, and just start that Monday fresh, um, Mm. and with a plan, and all of that, Um, and the amazing thing is, um, there was a stage where I missed like two Sundays, um, and the one day when I was driving, I actually saw the clouds in the shape of someone praying. Um, and then I said, no, okay, well, I can't miss anymore. And yeah, I haven't stopped ever since. Um, so yeah, it's definitely that, that I have to force myself um, to do that, but it's definitely rewarding. Um, so yeah, I've learned if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after others. So that's also what I'm trying, yeah. Well, I really admire that because people who are who are usually driven they can't sit still because they think, yeah, that thing, I forgot to send an invoice. Oh, I need to phone that client. So it's even hard on a Sunday to take time to rest. Yes. Yeah. So I, and I also, just, yes. Sorry, no, I just wanted to say, um, like, I, I'm, I'm quite a perfectionist. But 
I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist because, um, you know, through the accident I've learned, like why we put all of that on ourselves. Perfection is impossible, you know. Um, like something so stupid before the accident, I would never put color on my nails because it doesn't match my outfits, you know. And now like if the house isn't clean and all of those things. And then I just ask myself, will you die? No, you won't. So why make such a big thing of it, you know? So, yeah, it's those little things that um, I try hard to put in place. Yeah. But I also know that the hard work will pay off and then I can delegate more um, so, because what I want to do eventually is be much more involved in the coaching and the speaking and all of that. So what if you could get your businesses to like run on its own effectively and you could spend your time impacting the lives of people through, you know, life coaching, teaching them about God or teach entrepreneurial workshops and life motivation. Would you say that you feel that's what God's call is on your life? Do you feel God calls you to do that, to inspire people? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, after the accident, there was a time where I was a bit depressed um, and then I put on the Christian TV channel and there was pastors saying, you know, there's a girl out there, you're 30 years old, you've been in an accident, you're in pain, um, you're depressed, use your creativity for God. Um, and instantly I felt better, but I knew that's what I had to do uh, because that was exactly me. Um, and just the timing of it, as I switched on the TV, um, I knew, I mean, I had goosebumps and I was like, I need to do this. So that's definitely, I feel like um, my purpose to not only share my story, share what God's done, the miracles, inspire people when it comes to business. That That's definitely, I want to change lives. That's the bottom line. And that's what excites me. Um, so yeah, one day I do hope to do that full time. I'm sure. I'm sure that is definitely a possibility. And uh, I think we need more people like that in this world. There's too many people just thinking about themselves and how they can build themselves up and um, produce wealth. Uh, but I like what you said, you know, so having the right color nails is not as intense as breaking your neck. So. Yeah. It's, it's you joke though, but on my, on my bad days or times that I do feel down, every time I just think back to ICU and I'm like, it's not that bad. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that helps. And, and that makes you, that places you in a unique position that many people are missing out. Most people out there would say, please don't ever let me break my neck. But in that not experiencing what you're experiencing, they're also missing the miracle and the way yeah. that it's that it's changed your life. That's why I like the heading of that article that you wrote, you know, I broke my neck and I'm glad I did. I mean, yeah. it sounds ridiculous, but yeah. you've learned to value other things more. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it seems like through throughout your life you've God has given you signs. Like you say, you've put on the TV and it feels like that guy's talking to you. You know, you've You've seen somebody praying in the clouds, you know. Yeah. Um, is there any other such things that you can remember? I think you told me about a number plate that says faith or something. Yeah, sure. There's so many. Um, I'm actually going to have to sit down one day and write down all of them. But it really started happening after the accident. Um, so what had happened is after the divorce, because 
of my life being successful with sports and successful with business. I've never really failed at anything. So going through a divorce, it was hard for me. I felt like a failure and I felt like I could fix this. Um, and I, I, I was constantly obsessing about how to fix it. Mm. Um, and then just God just kept telling me to let go control. Um, everything I was reading was saying, let go control, surrender, trust God, have faith. Um, and as I was thinking it, a car drove past with the number plate faith. Um, and I was like, okay, fine. Um, went to Monte Cassino. As I drove in, the cashier, her name badge was faith. Um, and, and that's when I realized I have to let go of control. I cannot fix anything. Um, and that's when I surrendered everything and I had peace. And it's been a hard thing to do, but I've learned I have to keep reminding myself to do that. And it's constantly working. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, there's, there's, there's really been a lot of things. I mean, I used to struggle with a lot of pain. I went to church. They prayed for me. I felt warmth in my back. And then I had no more pain in my back since then. Right. Uh, yeah, there's been so many different signs. Um, mm. Sure. There's so many. Yeah. I don't. But, yeah. I, I don't doubt that um, God had a plan with you from birth, that he knew what you would go through and that um, he's been present all along. He's left some clues and fingerprints for you and guided yeah. you and also put you some really, really tough things. Um, there's something that you, that you said at one point you were going, you know, you were doing the, the bottle a little bit. And yeah. you, you, you read a scripture that you haven't found. And I, I've, I found that quite interesting uh, because you wanted to be a motivational speaker. And do you remember what you remember yes. the text said? Yes. So, so what had happened is I was living with my parents. Um, and when I was able to move, um, I'm being independent. First thing I did was get out of the house. I moved in with a friend and he drank a lot. Um, so I started drinking again. Um, and yeah, I opened the Bible one day and it said, who's going to listen to you if you're a drunk? But right. I still didn't get the message and I carried on and then I got alcohol poisoning. And then finally, I mean, that felt like death. Um, not as bad as breaking my neck, but terrible. <laughs> um, and after that, I was done. And yeah, I stopped for five years. So now I try and not drink at all. Um, yeah, it's just being healthy, straight and narrow is just the best way to go. Absolutely. Um, and it sounds almost like that's the, the way we teach our kids. If you don't want to listen, then you must feel. Exactly. No, it's 100%. I've realized that's exactly how God deals with me. Um, but I've learned like that's I don't listen any other way. I don't know if I'm just yeah. too ambitious and, you know, all of those things, but it's okay. I'm okay. Extremes yeah. happen. I learned the lesson a lot quicker than before, I guess. Right. And uh, so I went, I went searching for that verse and I don't know which translation you read. And I, I couldn't find, as you've been searching, I couldn't find a verse that says those exact words. But if you look at the Bible, right, actually from beginning to end, that's what it implies. Yeah. Um, and I just want to share with you some of it and to whoever's going to watch this or hear this. Um, one of the stories is in first Samuel chapter one, where Hannah is praying for a child 
And Eli looks at her, sees her on the steps praying, and he thinks she's drunk. So he dismisses her because he thinks she's drunk. And that sort of got stuck with me is that uh, people will generally avoid drunks. Okay. Uh, there's nothing, nobody's going to call a drunk person who's drunk every second day to get advice for life. I mean, yeah. you can't get it together yourself. Yeah. And two, three other verses, um, Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is stupid. Okay. So Isaiah 5 verse 22, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. And valiant men in mixing strong drink. Proverbs 23, 21. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. And drowsiness will clothe them in rags. Simple terms. It will drive you to poverty. Okay. Wow. So it's, it's, you probably read something somewhere like that. And the message you got from God was that. Nobody would listen to me if I'm this type of person. And that just reflects the beauty of God's word. Um. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. So I've got two more things I want to ask you, if okay. it's okay. Um, sure. Would you tell us about your businesses sure. and uh, where we could get hold of you? And yeah. So the first one is Greenleaf Project. Um, so that one, we start and grow businesses. That's the one-stop shop that I was talking about. Um, yeah, it's pretty much everywhere, website, social media, um, email info at greenleafproject.zeroteday. Um, and then the other business, it's funny how that one got started. Um, a friend told me about a product which is for pit toilets. So like in the locations, you know, they have the portable toilets and, and the stats of it is crazy. You know, kids dying every month, people putting acid in there, it's going into our water. Um, so I thought of starting an eco company. And again, not just one product, you know, let's do a lot. So I've got a whole range of products that I'm doing, as well as looking to the future, solar, gas, um, water tanks, going off grid. Um, so I, I've, I've seen the facts and the effects of, you know, a lot of the products that we're using um, that are damaging our health, causing cancer and all of this. So that's the one side of it. And the other side of it is obviously the damage it's causing to our planet, you know, um, sure. stuff in the ocean, plastic, all of that. So I'm really trying to um, educate people about the effects, giving them alternatives and mm. making the world a better place. Yeah. So that one is Clean Africa Eco. Um, and as well, there's a website, social media, everything, info at Clean Africa Eco. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and then a last question. So this one, um, I hope you, you've thought about a bit. Um, if you were going to die in five minutes and you had a microphone to speak to the whole world, what would you say to us? Um, yeah, so this is not actually a hard one. Um, okay. I think first of all, I would say follow your purpose. I mean, a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. They just lost. Why are we here? Just in this rat race to work, sleep, go to work again. Um, but if you really take time to pray about it and research and think, what is it that excites you? Um, no one has to tell you to do it. You just automatically get up and do it because you love it. 
Um, it's that that burns inside of you that makes you excited is connected to your passion. You know, all of us have different talents and gifts and, you know, all of this is connected to what God wants you to do. If you're a good photographer, go out and change lives with your photos. Um, at the end of the day, we're all here to change lives. We all want to help people. That is what makes us happy deep down in our hearts. Um, and we're all here to evolve in all areas of your life, you know, uh, whether it's parenting, marriage, friendships, work, whatever. If you're not constantly getting better, you're just going to get bored and do something else, try something else and not be happy. So in the end, just constantly try and grow, do better, be better, research stuff. There's so much helpful stuff. I mean, just how I learned how to do websites and graphic design. Um, you know, if you're struggling with self-esteem, watch speakers about self-esteem. You know, there's things you can do to help yourself feel better and do better and all of that. Then next I would say, don't let the small things upset you. I mean, if you really, if you knew you only had a short amount of time to live, you wouldn't complain so much about the traffic, about mm. if somebody left the toilet seat up, whatever it is. Um, uh, and then I'd say, if you make God first in everything and live how the Bible says. It's there for a reason. I mean, I have lived not how the Bible says things don't work out. If you live how the Bible says, it's it's really that easy. Um, and I think just to spend more time with God, you know, listening to the music, less of the news, less of the world, less of the negativity, um, just surround yourself with God and the Bible and his facts and his truth. Um, and everything will be okay. I love it. Thank you so much. I just want to add one last thing. Um, I, I meet a lot of people, uh, Natalie, that are going through tough times or, or they've got issues, psychological, spiritual issues, whatever. And a lot of people, something happened in their past that they keep on looking back at. And it's, stunt their growth and you're just such a beautiful example to me so i came across this uh, book written by a guy by the name of victor frankel who was in the second world war and he he was in uh, auschwitz in the concentration camps and he tried to he was a psychologist and he wanted to figure out why is it that some people survive and other people just give up and die and he realized that the people that survived the concentration camp um, were people that were looking forward to something on the outside of the concentration camp. So they could, they thought about their family, whether their family died or not, it was irrelevant, but they continually looked forward to the future. And so after he came out of the concentration camp, he wrote that book and he, he started a form of therapy, which is logotherapy, which is basically the idea in order to solve your inner unhappiness or your psychological issues or whatever, um, to do that is to look forward to something. Instead of looking back and thinking, if I fix the past, then my present will be better. He's saying, build something for the future and your present will get better because suddenly there's hope. So would you summarize that as in line with your perspective on life? Yeah, I think I agree. And also, um, again, because of the, the coaching, that training that I've had, um, it's been proven if you tell yourself something repeatedly, you start to believe it. Um, I mean, if you're feeling sick, if you're constantly repeating that you feel sick, it's just going to make you feel worse. I mean, and I've tested this. 
if you're feeling sick, you just keep repeating. It's not that bad. You feel fine. Everything's fine. And I start feeling better. Um, I have, and also I'm trying now to do healthy things. I have toothache, Google what helps toothache, coconut oil, great. Put it on my tooth, pain goes away. So I think we have way too much faith in medicine and doctors and, you know, things like that. Again, um, yeah, so that that's definitely the, the, sorry, I got sidetracked with all the, the, the healthy, natural. <laughs> no, but to summarize in life, like I'm also fascinated with the whole psychology of things. Um, um, my, your mindset is so important. I mean, I have printed out things that I repeat out loud every single day because the Bible also says, you know, speak yeah. things, believe them, all of that. So, yeah. and, and to see things that you want to have, you know, like I am successful, I am healthy, I am whatever. You speak it and you own it. Um, so yeah. there's all these little things that you can do that definitely help. Um, but your mindset has so much more power than we give it credit for, definitely. Well, yeah. Well, Natalie, well, it's just been so wonderful to have this chat with you. Um, we'll have to chat again sometime, you know, and I want to ask you if there's anything that comes to your mind that you feel you want to share with the world, please let me know. I'd, I'd love to participate in that, you know, and, and be part of it. Um, if you've had a, a really amazing life, challenging, but I'm sure it's an inspiration to everybody who's hearing this or, or, or seeing this. So I want to just say, by God bless you, Natalie. May your, um, may your companies excel. And um, would you mind if we pray quickly? Sure, no problem. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just pray that you, you take this wonderful lady that you've created by your hand that you would um, just continually bless the rest of her life. Dear Father, that you'll make her a continual influencer, that you'll make her an even bigger inspiration, that you'll provide a platform for her to share her story and to change people's lives. And I pray, dear Father, that you'll increase her faith and that the place where she lives will become a blessing to other people, that her presence in the lives of whoever she comes across in the business world or wherever else will just make her a just a, a strong force of, of your spirit, dear Father. I pray, dear Father, continually for her, her body's health, for her mind's health. I pray that you bless her family. And dear Father, we, we don't even know who all the nurses and the doctors were that helped her in the hospital. I pray a blessing on their lives too, dear Father. You know their names. I pray, dear Father, that you'll be with that doctor who operated on her. And uh, I just pray, dear Father, that you would show, continually show your fingerprint in, in her life so that she will know that you are there. Thank you for her who gives you honor and glory, dear Father, where many people don't. And I just pray that you'll honor that, dear Father. Thank you for the blessing of knowing her. And this is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just a... a Something I want to say to whoever's listening to this, like um, if you're a really, really, really quality man who knows Jesus fully, you're welcome to WhatsApp me or message me and I might. Well, I'll give you like sort of a interview questionnaire and let you apply. Then maybe you can meet Natalie. All right, but I'll decide. <laughs> That's okay. it. Natalie wants a good guy one day. I'm just joking. <laughs> 
Betty, thank you so much. What yeah. a blessing that was. Um, thank you for